Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. That is our very official sounding news sounder. It's great news with Kevin Ryder and Mike Catherwood. Welcome to another episode. This is uh, basically all positive stories so that you know that not everybody's a dick, which you do get the idea of if you watch the TV news for any amount of time. Yeah. Unfortunately, that gets a lot more ratings, which, you know, I don't know what that says about us and our success in the future. But I will say this. Uh, We are doing a service because we are showing you the reality of people and how they interact because mainstream media and social media is not doing that. They're filtering out all the good and they're giving you just the little teeny sliver of, of poo because that's somehow what we're most interested in. So does that's poo, great does poo come about. in slivers? What's that? Does poo come in slivers? I've seen poo slivers. I will say this, though. I will say that there is a movement on social media to start highlighting these types of stories, very much so. Yeah, I wonder nice where they trend. got the fucking idea. <laughs> no Hold one's on. ever talked about good stories before, so that was our idea. I'm going to scare the shit out of my dog, and I'm going to turn the camera up because every You're going to scare your dogs? Every time I've done the intro song, my dog... So let's see if I can highlight. So turn the camera around before you do the intro song. Mike's going to scare his pets. Oh, he knew something. Oh, on to you. On to you. Yep. He knew it. How did did he know that? Wow. How did that happen? He just like, it's not like that made a lot of noise. You must whisper when you're up to no good. That must be what happens. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Time for an intro. Intro. The show's about to begin, bro. Say hello to the happy goodbye to the blues, cause Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. <clears throat> I'm just gonna say that would not have scared your pets. It would not have. Scared no, well, I, you, you know what? I, 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 I purposely moved away from the, the exciting sure. rock and roll intro because I was like, well, now I can't scare Harry. So you had the death metal intro ready to go and decided against it. I got gotcha. you. Um, I am a huge baby when it comes to needles and getting procedures done or getting IVs or anything like that. It's uh, super annoying to me and it's been my whole life and I can't get over it and I hate myself for that. And So that leads us into the next story. There's a little five-year-old kid who's about to have surgery, and he's pretty nervous. So to help him get over his nerves, the hospital staff all gather together in one room and have a little mini dance party. Watch this. (laughs) Oh. Look at the little kid. See, I need the hospital staff to do this for me. (laughs) <laughs> you better fucking move then because right ain't no los angeles <laughs> county hospital they're way too big you know what i'm saying like they may have 
big heart also, I'm not that ready, cute. willing I'm to do that, that shit, but... I'm not that cute. Look at him. All right. I... Finish up your dancing. We're going to put needles in you. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> no, it is, it is sweet that they would do that. But I, I have to... And, uh, I hate to even go there, but... No. What? The whole medical team, like the entirety of the medical staff to do that... I'm guessing he's not there to get his fucking tonsils taken out. Like, that's probably, <laughs> right? Like, that's probably. So you some... think you think that the surgery matches the number of the turnout? Like that was like that. that was like twelve people of staff. I mean, that's was, those that's people true. are very busy. I'm guessing if they're going to take time out of their day to dance around to crappy pop music just to make the kid feel better, it's not because <laughs> he's got appendicitis. Like, it's probably. But I wish him. To, I mean. God bless. I, I sure you. You wish him the best, of course. <laughs> I will say this: um, hospital staff, a lot of times, and especially nurses, are psychiatrists and psychologists and yeah. therapists, and really, really go out of the way to make sure that people that are there. I mean, they're not going to have a good time, but that they're that they're as good as they could be, and that's a really amazing thing to me. My mom was a nurse for her whole life, and. I really respect that. I respect that as uh, our as RNs really they're they're amazing because like you said and this is not a knock on MDs it's because of the nature of their job they almost can't do that like you know what I'm saying like can't sit there and, and yeah. rub your head and tell you everything you know and and deal with your feelings a, an MD has a Hippocratic oath and he or she has to do what they need to do to save your life and to make sure they do no harm the end you know, that leaves so much of the, like such a margin for the RNs to come in and, and to tend to your feelings and to be there and to be patient. Yes, but I also feel like that's not, and I could be wrong here, but that's not, that's them going above and beyond. You know, when you've been in the hospital and somebody takes care of you and really cares and listens and talks to you, you know, they're going above and beyond what their job description is. And that's amazing. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It, I, I, much love to all these people because uh, it's you know you're literally saving. Life. Um, the last time I got a procedure, I laid down in my little gown and my little head thing, and um, the nurse said, "Look away. I know you don't like blood." And so I looked the other way, and she did it, and then it was like, "Okay, now you're okay. Put on some headphones." <laughs> and she was talking to me like I was that little kid. <laughs> she probably. Yeah, I, I don't think you're alone. I think that that's a pretty common thing to not like that, you know. So well, I don't probably had a down pat. So, Kimberly Waterbury, Kevin, she takes her 95 year old mother, Dottie, Dottie Schneider. <laughs> they're from Indiana, and they go to Alabama's Orange Beach coast. Um, it's supposedly incredibly beautiful, and unfortunately, Dottie at 95 can't walk really very well. She's in a wheelchair. And she certainly can't walk on sand. So they were having a heck of a time getting Dottie to really enjoy her beach vacation because, you know, she had to stay in the in the hotel room or in the condo the whole time. So who's that? Her gigolo? cruises up, right? Oh, like he, uh, he sees that they have this elderly woman there and she's in a wheelchair. And he asks, I got this beach vehicle. You guys uh, need some assistance? And uh, Kimberly and her family say, yeah, my, my mom Dottie could use it. So he takes her as close as he can, her and her wheelchair, to uh, to the beach area where they had the umbrellas and whatnot. But that 
that that vehicle is only allowed to go so far on the beach. It can't actually go down to the coast where people put their seats and their umbrellas. So what does he do? Picks her up like a little bubba, and he walks her. (laughs) By hand, he walks her to her umbrella, and he continued to do that every single day for the eight days that they were there on vacation, making sure that she could have the best beach vacation that she could have. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Good for that, dude. And then they had sex. Well, I'm sure hoping he did. Because I was thinking about that. He got a guy looked to be 25 years old, like, you know, lifeguard, really good shape. Bless him for doing that. Agreed. I Agreed. hope all the other women, straight women that are around his age saw that and they're like, here, here's here's my badge. You, you deserve it. No one says it that way. Nobody says that. You don't know. That's not... <laughs> I'm going to the wrong beaches then, for sure. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, like, yeah, of course, of course. You know, the professional athletes and, and celebrities get pooned. I, how about the guys who deserve it? Military men, these, this lifeguard, you know, first responders, cop, like, you know. I just want to make sure that everyone's getting a little tip of the cap. Right, you are a hopeless romantic. Yep. <laughs> And that's what I love about you. All right. We've been talking about uh, people running the marathon because they happen all the time. The New York City one happened a couple of weeks ago. There is a uh, woman named Diane Owens who runs the marathon, and she has a specific reason why she does it. Watch. I run for my son. My son is nine years old, and he has tumors on his back and his brain, his head and his arms. Diane Owens had never been a runner until her second son, Alex, was born with a rare incurable disease called neurofibromatosis. In her son's first two years of life, through her running, she raised awareness for the disease and $70,000 for the Children's Tumor Foundation. And then five years ago, Diane soldiered through her own medical challenge. About two months after I ran my third New York City marathon, I became paralyzed from uh, a rare illness called Guillain-Barre syndrome. I was quadriplegic, actually, from my head to my toes for two months. Her doctors thought she'd never walk again, but through her grit, love for her son, and her faith in God, she is not only walking, but running her fifth New York City marathon. She's raised close to half a million dollars for the Children's Tumor Foundation. Her son, now nine years old, will be cheering her on tomorrow. It feels amazing. I am so excited and proud and honored. This is this is my home city, and there is no better place. Diane is one of 30,000 runners, so many with poignant stories to tell about obstacles they've overcome. Uh, that brave woman, by the way, a quadriplegic because of a disease, said would never walk again, the doctors. And then she ran another New York City marathon with her like, now nine-year-old, who was two, he was two when he was diagnosed. He had a couple of years to live, and he's nine now, and he's watching her. Yeah, they're run both like, again. you know what? Cool story. I'm good. I'll go ahead and just live. It'll be fine. <laughs> I, I know. You, I know. You said I, I won't ever walk again. I'm gonna go run the marathon if that's right. Twenty-six point two miles. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Here's a, a little, very simple, very straightforward story, but I think it is incredibly heartwarming. 
And uh, I'm just happy to know that there's people out there, business owners like this. So check this out. This girl, Megan Ragucci, 10 years old. She unfortunately was diagnosed with alopecia universalis in first grade. So she was around six, seven years old. It's an autoimmune disease, total body hair loss, all hair gone. So she goes with her mom to this place, this bagel place in this area of Wyckoff, New Jersey, where they live. They constantly frequent this bagel joint and um, the owner of the bagel place, Sam Argawal, he walks up to Jen and Megan, the Megan, the little girl, and Jen, her mom, and he's like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna shave all the hair off my body because um, I think it'll make you feel better. And they're like, no, well, just, I mean, you don't have to do that. He's a grown man. Uh, and out of the kindness of his own heart, according to Jen, Sam and his wife did this out of the kindness of their own heart. They met us at a salon a friend of ours owns, and he completely shaved off his entire head, and he continues to wear his hair like this just to make Meg feel better. Check it. I think we have pictures. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Come on. What an overwhelmingly kind gesture for one human being. That's great. Yeah. So also, if you're in or near Wyckoff, New Jersey, uh, you know, go to uh, Sunrise Bagels and support this guy and his wife because I, I agree. It's super simple. It's not this mm -hmm. overwhelmingly dramatic story. It's just a guy who saw, who thought, I can tell that this 10-year-old probably is suffering. Maybe there's something I could do to do make her a little better. That is really – that's an amazing story. I um, have a quick story to tell you about, I don't know, 20 years ago maybe. I was taking fentanyl for my back. I had a fentanyl patch. Ooh. Yeah. And that's, I don't know what they say, 30 times stronger than morphine or something like that. And I hated it. And I told the doctor I needed to be off it. And I just tore it off. And that's the dumbest thing you could do. And I ended up in rehab because I was most likely going to die if I didn't go there. So, but it was on Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Eve, I couldn't handle the idea of my... I don't know how old they were, three or four-year-old girls mm. having Christmas without me. So I checked out against doctor's orders, and they said, we know you're going to get high. And I said, I'm not, but I understand why you think that. And I took a cab home, and I watched the girls open presents on Christmas, and then I got back in a car and went back to the rehab and begged them to let me back in, and they did. And it was just the overwhelming, I can't as a parent, for one second, even consider missing a moment like that. I can't do that. And that's what makes this next story really amazing because in Arizona, they have a program for parents who have drug issues and have lost their kids. And so they have this program where parents can go and they can say, look, I've screwed up my life in a major way and I don't have my kids and I need to figure out how to get myself better so that I can be with my kids again. Here's oh, the story so you of that mean program. Parents who are estranged from their children. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I was thinking yes. lost their kids. I was like, uh Oh, they lost their kids. Like, no, 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 no. They're estranged okay. because of, because of the addiction, because of the behavior. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. 
Building Arizona in a way you might not expect. A new mentorship program here in the Valley is paving the way for permanent change. It's going to just be a heartwarming morning for you after you see this. This one trains parents who have bounced back from rock bottom, quite literally, all to help others find a lifetime of success. In fact, I was able to meet one of these parents, and her story will inspire you. To the world, you may be just one person. Yet to one person, you may be the world. Celebrating life-changing work to help families and our community at Mesa Community College. Oh great, I'm gonna get emotional. Thanks to a social work program, internship experience, and life experience too, these parents will help other moms and dads in recovery by simply listening without judgment. We are proud of you. They have successfully overcome their drug addiction and successfully reunited with their children. Because of that, they now want to give back to other parents. You know, Monica Gilchrist is among them. This single mom of three knows rock bottom because she's been there. To be really honest, I didn't know I had substance abuse problems. I was just continuing the cycle, unfortunately, that I saw. Fighting addiction for years. In and out of jail, she tells me, too many times to count. Nothing waited for me. Nothing waited for me to get sober. Life didn't care if Monica was sober. It was Emotionally numb, she was charged with abandonment. Her kids? taken by the Arizona Department of Child Safety. It was right there. My children needed their mother. Ready to love her three, four, and ten-year-olds, sober and aware, she went to rehab, focused on healing and getting her kids back. I have a beautiful relationship with my children, and I did that. I look at them, and I did that. And I have all three of my children with me, and um, I want someone else to experience that. She also tells me it feels good to be part of the first group offering the kind of support never before available here in Arizona until now. A parent ally, someone, who, someone who's been there can say, you know what, I've had that rough day, let's take some breaths, what can we do? You know, there's, there's different ways that we can handle that situation because we have been there. You can beat the odds, I promise you. If you're sitting there and you're feeling hopeless this morning, this program is incredible. Isn't that amazing? The, yeah. the heartbreak that must happen when your kids get taken away. I, I, can't, I can't even imagine that. I was really trying. I was really trying to like put myself in that position. But, um, I, you know, I've experienced addiction. I've experienced recovery and like committing myself to recovery. Uh, but I was not only not a parent, I was young and a single guy. And I didn't have, and I'm just trying to think, like I, I think of how, difficult it was to deal with the shame of the things I did. I can't fucking imagine how hard it must be to put the pieces back together when you get a little bit of sobriety and you get clean and you look and you're like, I have compromised my relationship. I have compromised the safety of my children. How, you know, it's, it's gotta be uh, just a different, a different level. People really don't understand that and I don't expect them to, but I remember I was doing fighter and the kid with uh, Brendan Schaub and, and Brian Callen. And we were talking about uh, Teen Mom, that Teen Mom show. And um, mm -hmm. one we're of the cast gets members- pregnant? Yeah, uh, 16 and pregnant or Teen Mom. One of the two, one of the ones where Dr. Drew shows up at the end and everyone goes, mm -hmm, yes, yes, I understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the husbands or, or baby daddies of, of these girls was a, was a pill addict and he was driving around um, with the kid in the baby seat high on, on opiates. And um, 
Brendan was like, well, I don't, you know, I understand he may have a disease, he may be, but he would, you can't do that. You can't put kids in danger. I go, I agree, but you got to understand that he may not really want to do that. He's not in his right mind. And I tried to explain to him, like, you, you do things that you, that are outside of your even awareness, you would never do. And he goes, well, you would never have done that when you were, I was like, dude, I absolutely would have driven children around high and drunk. I absolutely, and I and I don't say that happily, I don't say that proudly, but I drove every single day under all circumstances high and drunk every day for like two years. I can't fucking reasonably believe that if I had a kid, I would be like, you know what, this is probably a bad idea. I better just lay off till sundown, you know, get, I would, you know, you just do, you make all these terrible decisions. But it's really great to see a group like that, that supports you when you decide, okay, I need to get my act together and I need to get my children back. And that's a long yeah. process. And it's good to see that there's a program like that. And, and, uh, there needs to be programs like this for people who don't have the resources to fucking take care of themselves because it's alarmingly expensive to get proper treatment for addiction and most addicts aren't alarmingly wealthy you know yeah um, true here's another crazy awesome uplifting beautiful story this is a man who proudly served for the united states federal bureau of investigation his name is mike mason 63 years old two decades in the fbi um he was an executive assistant executive assistant director of the FBI. After executive that executive assistant director. Wow. Yes. No, he was, he was, uh, in the Marines. He was the, uh, for, he served in the Marines proudly decorated Marine transitioned into the intelligence sector. He was the number four ranked man in the entire FBI. So it was the FBI director wow. and two other people. And then him, I mean, that's, he was a very powerful person and very important person in the, um, American intelligence, uh, industry. He then transitioned out of that into the private sector and became wildly wealthy. He was very, very, very successful. Um, when the pandemic struck, there was a tremendous shortage of civil workers, city workers of all different jobs in his neighborhood. And he's 63 years old and he says, uh, eh, you know, I got some dispensable time on my hands. Uh, I, uh, let me see how I can pitch in and look what this guy did. Check this out. For some, service is a lifetime commitment. CBS's Steve Hartman with a case in point on the road. If anyone has earned a coffee break, it's 63-year-old Mike Mason of Midlothian, Virginia. Mike served his country, first as a captain in the Marines. Mike Mason from the FBI. And later as the number four man at the FBI. Good afternoon. Mike left the Bureau in 2007. Went on to work as an executive at a Fortune 500 company, and then the chief operating officer of this rocking chair. But Mike says retirement did not sit well with him. I still had a mind, and I still had things I thought I was capable of doing. But if Mike was going to start a new chapter, he knew it would have to be something really important. A job with a big payout, worthy of his time. So in the end, the choice was clear. How you doing? From top of the FBI to head of the BUS, Mike Mason may be the most overqualified school bus driver in America. 
When I gave them my resume, I actually got called by a very senior person in the county, and he said, mm, just checking. <laughs> Did why, you mean to apply for this job? Why, why do you want to be a bus driver? And I told him. Mike had heard the Chesterfield County Public School District was down 125 drivers, part of a national crisis. In fact, more than half the school districts in America are reporting severe driver shortages. So Mike stepped up and went all in. I mean, this guy actually waxes his bus. Why? Because it's just how I roll. This is the Marines coming back. It is. But I think this is important work. I do. Do you sincerely believe that what you're doing today is as important as what you were doing at the FBI? I do. I think in, in our society, we need to get next to the idea that there are no unimportant jobs. I mean, what could be more important than the attention we pay to our education system? So you continue to advance in your career? That's exactly right. I'm paid a lot less, but I, I continue to advance in my <laughs> career. Yes, indeed. As for the salary, Mike says he already donated all of what he expects to make this year. More than $30,000 to various charities. But of course, the much bigger gift is far less tangible. <laughs> Mike Mason had climbed to the highest level. According to the indictment, but by stepping back down to the bottom rung, he is giving us the greatest leadership of all. Leadership by example. All right, see you later. Steve Hartman, on the road in Midlothian, Virginia. All right, I have two problems with that report. Go ahead. You, you, you go ahead. You take control. Because I'm pretty sure we have the same fucking problems. <laughs> oh, my God. He's now the CEO of this rocking chair. That's number Come one. Come on. How about he transitioned Shut from up. a powerful member of the FBI to the leader of the BUS? B-U-S. Fuck B-U-S. you. Oh. Fuck you, Hartman. <laughs> I wanted to stop that report so bad when he was making those ridiculous, stupid puns. Uh, He's a terrible reporter. And you know what I also wanted to point out? What an amazing American, Mike Mason, you know, captain of the Marines, number four guy at the FBI, then into the private sector, very successful. He had a better voice than both of us. Who are professional broadcasters? How is the, what the fuck else does he have? <laughs> like, well, yeah, yes, everything. you're right, Hartman. I do. I, I by the mean. way, when Steve Hartman asked him the question, "Do you see this as important as when you were the fourth person at the FBI?" You know the answer is no. It's In reality, not as important. Yeah. That's what that's what I think. Yeah. But after hearing his answer, yeah. I was like, maybe he thinks so. Well, yeah, you also realize that someone that high up at the intelligence agency, I guess not the CIA, but someone that high at the FBI is also part politician. He was a diplomat as well, on top of being, you know, a law enforcement. Yeah, but I believed him. He got good at it. Yeah, no, he's very believable. I believed him. How come that fucking guy isn't a politician? I'd vote for him. Right. That guy's not a politician because politics sucks. That's why. Here, here, brother. I'd vote for him as well. Uh, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe, hit the subscribe button or the like button or tell your friends about it, especially that would be cool. Mike Catherwood is here now with the outro. It's the outro. You know what I'm talking about, bro. Say hello to the happy goodbye to the blues because Kevin and Mike just rocked you all with great news.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.